This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few minutes, parenting coach and children's consultant Julie Julie Romanowski, better known to her many fans and followers as Misbehavior, will join us in studio to take your calls and talk about the small people in our lives. Next hour, John Carlson returns with a fresh Vancouver market real estate update. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And if you have an iPhone in your pocket or purse or an iPad nearby, then you are very much a part of this week's number one story. Apple has become a trillion-dollar company. It's the first American public company to cross one trillion dollars in value, and it did so on Thursday when its stock price hit $207.04 per share. After the big trillion-dollar fanfare and a rosy earnings report, the stock rose another buck thirty-four. Apple shares are up 20% this year alone, and it's just the beginning of August. The product lines that propelled them past the trillion-dollar mark? The iPhones, 8 and 10, especially sales in China and Japan, and more App Store activity as well. Despite some shareholder complaints, there should be more product offerings. Wall Street loves Apple, and the euphoria continues with predictions of the stock increasing by as much or 20, by, uh, 20 or 30 bucks a share are being tossed around. And again, that's in this year. Apple isn't the first ever company to pass a trillion in value. PetroChina was back in 07 when it began public trading, but it didn't last very long. And today that company is worth about 200 billion. Somehow I don't see Apple following that route. Not a great week for WestJet. First, an earnings report that included the company's first quarterly loss in 13 years. Then the flight attendants voted to become unionized. And then the CEO announced we should expect to pay higher fare prices later this year to offset rising fuel costs. Of course, the big issue for WestJet was that threat of a pilot strike that never happened, but that caused a lot of bookings to go elsewhere and wiped out any chance of making a profit that quarter. And even though the actual numbers were better than expected, WestJet says obviously it's disappointed and looks forward to a better second half of 2018. Here's a story from our friends at Fraser Valley News about consumers and their newspapers and paywalls. We don't like them. According to a new online survey from Mario Canseco's research company, only 9% of Canadians say they're currently paying subscribers of at least one news source that they find interesting online. A proportion that rises from 9 to 14% among younger consumers 18 to 34. 31% of Canadians say they stop going to an online news source if there's a limit on free articles and or a paywall. This includes the Globe and Mail, the uh, Vancouver Sun, the National Post, to name but a few papers now charging you to read them online. Content is increasingly moving online, but almost half of Canadians, as in 47%, are not paying for any of it right now, says Mario Canseco. Those over the age of 55 are more likely to say they do not visit any news 
news sources that charge for online access. Those aged 18 to 34 and younger 35 to 54 are in the same boat but in lesser numbers. More than half Ontarians say they don't visit any news sources that charge for online access. The proportion of non-subscribers drops to 49% here in B.C. The Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce is refunding 1.4 million customers for improperly charging credit card fees over 14 years. The country's fifth largest bank says some credit card accounts in Canada may have been incorrectly charged a fee for exceeding the credit limit between 2003 and 17. Higher insurance premiums were also charged on optional creditor insurance. Refunds are being made with interest. Average refunds, well, it's still only about 50 bucks, but they'll start coming out in October. CIBC is notifying affected current and former clients directly. The Toronto Blue Jays are in Seattle this weekend for a series against the Mariners. Yet another reason border crossing is going to be super busy. Lineups at 8 o'clock this morning were two hours long. For those who like to take a big loop out to Aldergrove to use that faster crossing, well, there's a setback as construction has begun on a new crossing facility at Aldergrove. There'll be new traffic lights, lanes will be expanded from 2 to 5, including a new Nexus lane and commercial vehicle lanes too. The border people say around 6,000 people use that Aldergrove crossing during peak summer periods, and this short-term pain will eventually produce a much smoother setup for everyone. Still, it's going to be dusty and a bit messed up until completion, which is expected to be in about a year. Lots more info on that crossing, by the way, at Drive BC. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more as the show goes on. But coming right up, we'll talk kids, costs, and making it through another long, hot summer with Julie Romanowski. It's a pleasure to welcome Miss Behavior to the airwaves of CKNW. She's back on the airwaves of CKNW. Julie Romanowski is with us. Hi. Hi, Sterling. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Thanks for coming in on thank a busy you. weekend. We appreciate this part very much. Thank you for having me. And you've been uh, you, uh, most recently by here with Jody Vance a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you're well known as a, as a parenting coach and consultant. How long have you been doing this, Julie. I've been in the field for over 22 years, but specifically with the parent coaching, and this is my sixth year. And when did misbehavior come about? It's a terrific website, by the way, friends. Misbehavior, one word, misbehavior.ca. But when did you become misbehavior? Six years ago. Oh, I see. I was actually pregnant with my child, and I sort of thought, well, what are we going to do here? I want to be at home, but I still want to work. And so, poof, kind of created this business where it's home-based, but I do get to go out into the community, work with different families, um, and still be with my son when I wanted to for the majority of the day. Uh, came up with the name Misbehavior, which seems to be... Uh, it's catchy as <laughs> all get out. It's, it's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to come up with that. And then one day it just happened. I'm like, yep, this is it. This is perfect. Well, it sure is. Now, yeah. tell us a little bit about summertime, uh, because here we have the unique two-month period of every year when our children are with us constantly. So when you are dealing with your clients, your parents, and you're doing your coaching and your consulting work, what's the most common denominator in terms of complaints by parents during summer? (laughs) What do I do with my kids? They keep complaining they're bored. They don't know what to do. They constantly want uh, the parent to entertain them or to be entertained. And parents are just exhausted. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way life is running these days from work to taking care of the home 
home and overall the family, it is hard to stop even for 10 minutes to play a fun game with your child or just to even stop all the distractions and to focus. So a big complaint for for parents is, what do I do with my child all summer? Mm -hmm. School used to sort of take care of them and and organize sports and extracurricular activities. Now I have to organize every week a camp or a play date or go somewhere, and it's exhausting. And they're just feeling really lost and not sure what to do. Are today's kids as game about uh, being sort of self-entertaining, capable, or are they... Uh, even more dependent on someone to entertain them. I think if there's a screen in front of them, they could sit by themselves all day if, if they were allowed to. Right. But with everything happening now with screen time and limiting it because it's harmful effects and, and impact, once that screen is turned off, it's it's almost like kids now really don't know what to do. And right. they heavily rely on the adult to figure out what what they can do. So is part of your parenting coaching then talking to parents year round about developing other activities so that they're not as completely screen dependent for entertainment as many of them seem to be? Yes, it is a, an issue year round. It just more is exasperated at summertime because there's that big long break. But this this movement towards actually having your children bored is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, k- kids won't agree, but to have them bored allows them to sort of use their imagination and use their minds in a different way. You have to work hard. Whereas if we just continuously entertain our children, that thought process doesn't actually have to be um, accessed, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so we want our children to figure out how to entertain themselves. Yes, we do. <laughs> Yay, I heard a cheer. Yay. <laughs> but that kind comes from building the skill. You can't just say, hey, turn your screen on, go play outside. Right. It's a skill that has to be developed all year round so that when summer hits, it's not a shock. Right. And that's sort of what happens to the majority of families is, is oh, wait, wait a second, what do you mean you need help playing? You know, what's wrong with you? You're a kid. Yeah, right. Well, just, just, just go outside and play. Yeah, or I go mean, to your room and play. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I suppose there's a problem with even go outside and play because there seems to be a parental anxiety level that didn't exist when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. We, were, we weren't encouraged to go out and play. <laughs> we were told, get out of here. Get out. We'll see you at supper time. And after supper, get out of here. Come back home when the street lights come on. Yes. And you disappear for hours yes. and be completely happy with it. They didn't know where you were. They had an idea where you were. And you probably were where they thought you were. But you do, we were reporting in every 15 minutes or texting where I am this time. Yeah. You just went out and played with your friends. Now, is there? what's the difference between that and now? Is it this? I know there's this helicopter hovering thing and, and somebody might steal you if you go to the park and all all this kind of stuff. There's there's an anxiety level, Julie, that I still have difficulty understanding. Yeah, it's totally different than how it used to be. When I grew up, it was the 80s, and it was still, you went down the street, played with the neighborhood kids mm-hmm. in the back forest, and you came home at dinner, um, and you, you literally disappeared, and your parents loved it. No wonder they could get everything done, because there's no kids interrupting them. But the, the times have changed, and yes, helicopter parenting, that's that hovering over your child at Imagine having a few minutes of spare time to get out there and, and, and do something by themselves using their own imagination 
uninterrupted. Exactly. And so that's what's not happening. There's too much fear out there. There's the fear of having your child abducted on the, on the busy street or getting hit by a car or getting lost and not knowing their way back. But when you, there was some statistic out there, I, I don't have it handy right now, but it showed that the, the amount or the, what is it? The percentage of children being abducted is so low I these know. days. Yeah. But the the percentage of children that are obese or not being able to connect with other human beings and all of these sort of normal human life skills is through the roof. It's it's too, it's totally shifted. Right. And now this movement of um, the opposite of. Uh, helicopter parenting is free-range parenting, which means let your child go, trust them, have boundaries. Right, of course. But, you know, let them sort of off the tight leash. Now, as a, as a parenting consultant, I'm sure you have clients in both camps. Uh, yes, but the majority are in the helicopter camp. Interesting. It, it's The anxiety is so overwhelming. It's debilitating. And, it, and a lot of people are unconscious. They don't even realize they're that anxious or that their anxiety is a, is a heavy blanket over top of their children. And they wonder, sort of, well, why is my child coming up to me? Well, you've been there the whole time telling them what to do. Right. And so it's, it's not a blame game by any means. It's a matter of taking a, getting aware and taking a snapshot about what really is going on. What do I want? And, and what is best for the children? Looking at it through a developmental lens. And it really everything that comes out of my mouth in terms of strategies and techniques is usually that building of skills. We aren't just raising children. We're raising adults. We need to put the skills in now in order for them to cope in these days and times. Uh, we need to have these skills uh, to create resilient human beings that can cope with the curveballs that life sort of throws at us. Ah, good point. Let's open up the phone lines here. I'm monopolizing this conversation and could for hours because I'm a parent and now a, a, a brand new grandparent. So I'm, I'm right into this stuff. But let's let's include as many of our listeners, Andrew and Ben, as we possibly can over the next uh, hour. 604-280-9898. The lines are now officially open. 604-280-9898. Julie Romanowski, misbehavior, parenting coach and consultant, is in studio on Vancouver Consumers First Hour. So what have you come across? What little secrets have you come up with? Because I'm sure you talk to parents all the time. You do it for a living. And sometimes parents will just tell you something and you go, wow, what a terrific idea. I hadn't thought of that one myself. So this is what we're soliciting today. So Because you get, we're right, right dead center in the middle of summer holidays. So you've had a month of, of this and there's another month to come. So how are you coping with all of this? What are your skills and what are your strategies for the next uh, four weeks? of summer vacation 604-280-9898 the lines are wide open and we look forward to hearing from you so julie you talk about anxiety levels is that why as a parenting coach and consultant you are in business in the first place because there are simply so many parents who just don't know what to do you can go to the library or you can go online and there are 120,000 books about raising kids no two of which are the same there is no manual so people freak out a lot it's a it's a daily constant freak out if you're not freaking about this you're freaking out about that if you're not that then you're stuck in traffic then there's bad weather it seems like we can't catch a break um and and it's not just anxiety and it's 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 you and it's your problem it's how society is it's we're living in a fast-paced world that things are going 
so fast that even our modern day conveniences aren't keeping up. (laughs) And so anxiety is just a result of. Now, there's nothing wrong with anxiety, but the reason it's getting out of hand and it's becoming so negative is because the coping skills to deal with stress and anxiety aren't up to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing, that's a big secret uh, working with parents that I want them to know about their children is that we need to start. I would love to erase all the stress and anxiety in my son's life and every child I know out there. It's impossible. I tried. It's impossible. <laughs> but what we can do is really ramp up how we build and shape their skills to cope with stress. And that's the real secret. And if we can start doing that and, and promoting self-regulation, promoting self-resiliency at the youngest ages possible, that child is already being set up for a huge amount of success. Mm, I was at a restaurant a couple of nights ago and there was a, a young family, mom and dad and a couple of kids. Mom and dad were both on their phones. Mm-hmm. One kid was on a device of some kind and the other kid was basically too small to be interested in much other than what's to eat. <laughs> but there was no conversation at the table. They sat there for... Well, we left and they were still sitting there, but there was no conversation. That, and and I'm, this is not unique at all uh, in social situations where families go out together and then sit there in silence with their devices. Yeah. How, how, what, a, what a great outing that is, huh? Well, it's not, yeah, it's not great. It is easy to judge. But to be honest, as a busy, hardworking parent, the number one thing you want to do, unfortunately, is to escape. You just need a break. And that's where those devices come in. It, it's just convenient and easy. I'm Sterling Fox. In studio with me is Julie Romanowski, who is better known to her many fans and followers as Miss Behavior. Has a terrific website. It's misbehavior.ca. Julie is a parenting coach and consultant, and uh, we're on, is, is on Vancouver Consumer because we're talking about tomorrow's consumers, Julie. And we'll talk mm. about the habits we teaching our children in terms of consumers uh, uh, in a couple of minutes. But there's a couple of things that came up, one of which is, is, was the, the whole matter of device and and mm-hmm. people being so wired to their devices and I'm talking about parents now uh, being so wired to their devices that they are in, in, in you see in, in social situations restaurants and elsewhere uh, you, you see children not being neglected but they're just kind of sitting there you know, f- you know, twirling their thumbs because mom and dad are on their phones and mm-hmm. nobody's talking to anybody and uh, somebody's going to eventually order food I hope <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other aspect of parenting that I wanted your comments on because we talked about this free range business versus helicoptering mm-hmm. uh, is, is the whole notion of well you know it's far more important to me as a parent to be my child's best friend than it is to be the adult in his or her life and be that person with, you know, boundaries and rules and things. That's not the relationship I'm after. Mm-hmm. Want, where, where's that going to go? Uh. It's a that is a very good question, and that is exactly where a lot of people are stuck. Those are the crossroads. Nobody wants to be the mean, horrible, scary parent. Nobody. We always want to be the shining star. Mm-hmm. But somehow along the way, something got twisted where being the person who's the adult, who's taken responsibility, who has the boundaries, the rules, the expectations, somehow is a mean, horrible person. Yeah, yeah. And I, and it's not. Life and, has rules, folks. It, well, it just does. <laughs> it just does. But in fact, what I found in my 22 plus years of experience that children actually respect 
more. A person who is firm Mm -hmm. and clear and is taking leadership. Now, I'm not saying using the fear factor, you better do as I say, or there's going to be big trouble. That's not real respect. That's that's fear instilled in in children. But most of the time, when when an adult takes that leadership role, come on, guys, we got this. Follow me. Here's how it's going. One, two, three. Kids love that. They crave it. Sure. And that's a, that's a child who will be friendly. You can always be friendly with children, but that doesn't equate to you being your child's best friend. Right. So that somehow got all twisted and messy. And it's when we become our friend and we sort of let go of our, uh, whether it's responsibilities, rules, expectations, kids kind of go, well, if you're not in charge... I'm not really in charge. Who the heck's in charge? And what happens, especially in young children, they then take the lead role. Sure. They're not supposed to. In the absence of leadership, (laughs) we'll pick it up and run with it. There you go. But they don't have the skill level. And that's where you get power struggles. That's a lot of the phone calls I get are parents that say, well, I have a power struggle with my three-year-old. It's like, wow, that tells me leadership needs to be stronger. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we're getting confused. People with parents usually have very good intentions. Nobody wants to give up leadership. They just aren't understanding how the, how it all works. There is no rule book. There's there's no guide or manual that says you got to be like this. Mm-hmm. It's all learning as you go. Um, and if you have time, and if you're conscious and aware, great. <laughs> we're, we are all not that uh, aware sometimes, but it's it is learning as you go for sure. But we have to really tune into what this role is, and that's where it starts splitting off into the nurture and care, but also the guide and teacher as well. Right, and and of course, this if, if there is uh, there is an absence of this sort of adult leadership in a young person's life. Uh, and they tend to take over mm-hmm. in in that void because somebody's going to fill it. And if no, if it's you're not going to do it, hey, I'll do it because they got the energy, if nothing else, and the yeah. chutzpah. <laughs> so, but then then they go to school, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's there are adults, <laughs> and there are rules, and and there's discipline, and you you can get called out for doing something wrong. And what's this about? I'm I'm wait a second. I'm in charge at home, and I want to be in charge here too. Right? Oh, yes. I just had one of those calls and uh, a child five years old in kindergarten and got not only kicked out, but is caught fighting and and throwing things and and disrespecting the teacher. This is a five-year-old. And so, and, and that word violence is actually coming up a lot in this kindergarten and grade one ages. And I'm not exaggerating. We think violence in a classroom is like, you know, teenagers in well, high sure. school. Yeah, 15 maybe, but not, not five. Five. Really, huh? And in and, and back east, it's even more so. And so we have to take a look at that. And these are children who aren't able to adjust and then grow into young teens and adults who have a problem with authority. Who are you to tell me what to do or not do? Um, and so that's, we got to really rewind. It's happening in these early years. That's that building of skills once again. Not only to respect authority and and leadership, but how do I work with someone who's taking the lead? There's a lot of children that don't know how to listen to the teacher. Right. Or why should I? Right. Or who is this lady? Or or you know I've had my parents on ignore for six years and that's that's working for me. So why should I pay any attention to you? It's total confusion. Interesting. Let's go to the phones here and include our listeners. 280-9898 with the obligatory six up for six oh four up front. We'll get you through. Rick in Richmond, good afternoon. Thanks for waiting. Seems to me the 
thing that's missing right now is uh, children have to make mistakes. And when, they, when they're looking to do things, when they ask you, you have to give them options and let them make their own choices and they make mistakes on their way because that's the way they learn how to do things. Good point. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids uh, would have be surrounded with kids with all kinds of toys and, and they wouldn't have a toy and, and they'd be complaining on the beach and, and I'd hand them a stick and I'd say, go out in the sand and make a drawing. And and 20 minutes later, there'd be 25 kids making drawings on the sand with sticks. Right. And none of the high-tech toys would be out there, and, and they'd be all on the beach, and everybody wondered why. Uh, good call, Rick. I appreciate it very much. And, and his point, I think, is particularly well taken. Children have to make mistakes. We all need to fail to, to, for no other reason to recognize success when it happens. But you really do. You, yeah. you, you have to be able to make mistakes. And is there, you're the consultant, you're the one with the parents who call you when they're, they're freaking out. Do parents, are there, is there a reluctance on the part of some parents to let the kids scrape a knee, make a mistake, get a D on a test? Uh, sometimes yes, but with that anxiety kicking in, not you, we can't afford it. We don't have the time, the energy, the effort to afford a mistake. That's where that comes in from. But if it, you know, we have we know somehow we know when kids scrape a knee, um, they have to. We have to. Sorry, they have to feel that feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's easier to just swoop them up, ignore, it, move on, throw a bandit on there, distract them with chocolate candy and TV, and move on. And if we realize the power and the skill building and the connection and the beauty and all the good stuff that is in that moment of parent and child, when that child looks up after they've scraped their knee, when we can slow down to recognize those moments, then we can do it. We've got everything inside of us to do so. But I think with that rapid pace of life, there's just, we can't, we can't afford it. We Mm. can't slow down. So it's go, 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 go. Come on, pick up and go. But the, the, the caller that said, Rick, that said, allowing your children to make mistakes, 100%. You have to allow them to make mistakes to not only self-regulate but to problem solve to figure out even how to ask for help mm-hmm. how to deal with that emotion that erupts and sort of takes over your entire body your face goes red and tears are about to come out when when you have scraped that knee we need our kids to feel these feelings because if they don't and they get suppressed or ignored or, or insulated yeah, we're going to have older children and teenagers and adults who don't know what to do with all this emotion. Yeah, interesting. That's what's happening now. Yeah, back to the phones here. We're in Pitt Meadows next with Breton on the line. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I've got a unique uh, perspective on it. Because Go ahead. One of my parents was a, uh, a baby boomer UBC professor and the other was a Gen X hippie. So I've seen both sides okay. of the spectrum. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so you can imagine uh, the kind of conflict. At any rate, uh, I, I have a question now. Uh, at some point, I think that we've uh, I think that we've gone from positive reinforcing and gone too far into reinforcing ego. Good point. I've had to babysit for some kids that were borderline self endangering themselves because they thought they were superheroes and they could do anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering about uh, how do you draw the line between uh, positive reinforcing, which is very healthy, into the outright feeding the ego of this little power tripping monster. 
Good question and an excellent point, and thanks very much for your call, Brett. Go ahead, Yeah, Julie. Uh, that is really, really great. Very precise area. And and just as a quick sort of thing to throw out there, it's we do want positive reinforcement, absolutely. However, kids, especially in these younger years, need to understand the difference between right and wrong, good and bad, black and white. Mm -hmm. Sounds like common sense. And everyone's like, yeah, no kidding. You'd be surprised at how much it doesn't happen. We're designing our child's life to be totally awesome. You're the best. Go get them. Nothing's wrong. Oh, you fell. That doesn't matter. Let's go. Here's candy. Here's TV. And we're distracting. We don't keep scoring the game because nobody's going to lose. Everybody's a winner. Right. Oh, come on. <laughs> people <laughs> win and people lose. You'll win. You'll lose today. You'll win tomorrow. That's just it. But it's those opposites. And and just back to the callers, that, that point you made, it, it really is about this is reality that we have. We're living in a black and white world. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. And even saying to a child, you messed up. This one wasn't great. However, I've got your back. Mm -hmm. And next time, I love that. Next time, dot, dot, dot. We're going to make it. You're going to do great. I've got whatever it is. We always want positive reinforcement, but we have to really give a good healthy snapshot of what life is like. It's not perfect. It's not a place where no mistakes take place and you're the greatest thing ever. But you see, that can get really dis distorted. So I want to make sure I'm really clear here. We do want positive reinforcement. Of course, we love our children, want them to succeed. Right. But we also want to make sure we're giving them a good dose of reality, which is this is how it works. And, and knowing that um, when you get hurt, when something bad happens, because those things happen in life, there's death, there's illness, there's there's all kinds of bad things. How is that child going to cope with it? And that's what's not happening enough. And that's where I call that self-regulation and self-resiliency. That's where it comes in. That that voice within us, the good voice within us that says, you've got this, Julie. You can do it. It's okay. This was a bit of a bit of a blow, bit of a setback. But the next time I'm going to be there, I got it. I got people supporting me. I know I can do it. That's what we want our kids to be saying to themselves. Right, right. But it comes from role modeling and what we as the parents say to our children at these young ages, that they're going to have that helpful voice in their head that really is that self-empowering, let's do this, let's go, I can make it, um, and, and get through life's humps and bumps. Or it's going to be a total versus entitlement versus um, reality, which is, well, how come something bad happened? This shouldn't, shouldn't have happened. Mom, Dad, you fix this. Well, yeah, and it's an interesting word. It's fine. It's interesting you finally used it. Entitlement is, yeah. is a biggie these Huge. days uh, because in the absence of defining uh, the, the, gray, the, the gray areas, living in the gray area, no black, no white, no winners, no losers, everybody gets a ribbon, uh, all that kind of stuff, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, there, there's a void that gets created by that that yeah. uh, Breton was referring to because yeah. then, you know, you, you, you think because this little person is yours, I have three, and I think the same thing about each of my children. You are the most exceptional human being to ever put on a pair of shoes. I believe that about my children, but it's not true. It, and, and they know that. I think it's not true now. They're, yeah. they're old enough. We've yeah. had the car. But, so, and even when they're little, I mean, you, you're special. You're a great kid. You're a bright kid. You're doing great in school. You're not the world's best athlete, but you're, you're good at this and you're not great at that. But 
it's that sense of entitlement that if they're constantly told, as Breton was saying, if you're if you're constantly feeding the ego, that person at a very early age is going to have an ego the size of a large building yeah. and no sense of reality. Yeah. And so we just have to be what that's not everybody. And there's going to be a lot of people that'll be like, well, no, my kid's not like that. It's it's not everybody, but there's there's too much of it happening. There's an influx of this. So so it's something to be aware of. It may not be your child. It may be your child's friend. It may be your your sister's kids. It may be other kids in the school. We still have to realize that this is an issue that's going on. And all of these issues really boil down to self-awareness. As a parent, we got to start because becoming more self-aware. I try and do this on a daily basis. It's difficult. I feel like I was raised totally unconscious. And now I'm get I'm getting that, oh, wow, yeah, you can't go through life that unconscious anymore. And we have to start making these connections. And 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 it's what children are needing. It's what they need to be watching. It's the, the environment they need to be living and growing in. Let's talk about it from a consumer perspective here on Vancouver Consumer, mm-hmm. because then you get down to uh, wants, versus needs. Uh, And of course, we're about to go through the back to school cycle and every parent listening knows the eyes are already rolling (laughs) because as soon as you get to Staples or wherever your store of choice is, you can't go down one aisle with I got to have that, I got to have that, I got to have that. And and, you know, we did a a report here on household debt across Canada a couple of weeks ago. It's it's at insane levels. We owe a buck 69 for every dollar we make. And there are three main reasons for household debt in this country. Cheap money, which is was too easy to get. Interest rates are now starting to rise. Also, just the cost of living, especially here in Canada's most expensive city. And the third item on that list, Julie, was the cost of raising children. Mm-hmm. And it's extraordinarily expensive to raise children. You have a six-year-old, yeah. almost a six-year-old. Yeah. You're about to go through back to school big time in a couple yeah. of weeks. It ain't cheap. And a lot mm-hmm. of parents can't cut it financially to do that design or this, that, and the other thing that some of the other kids are going to show up at school at. Yeah, Yeah, high competition. No kidding. High competition. I I can't keep up, nor do I want to, and I've made that sort of my own personal philosophy. Um, But it is tempting, and every store and everything out there is wants, 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 wants. Anything when we come across going shopping or knowing our child wants this or that, again, it's that heavy dose of reality. We're just acknowledging it. That's huge. Acknowledging your child's wants and then clear expectations. I'll start with acknowledging. Just saying to your child, I know you want the $200 backpack. I I want it for you. Right. (laughs) Doesn't mean you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. But just saying it instead of no, 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 no. Right. Just saying that. I know I... uh, At least acknowledging what they're saying. Right. Huge. Rather than just... Even though you know this kid's not going to get that backpack in several lifetimes, (laughs) you can still say, oh, I know you want that, but it's a yeah. nice looking backpack, but yeah. not this year. Not this year, not this time, whatever it is. Um, the other thing is clear expectations. So before we go to the Staples, I'd be having a nice chat about what's the purpose of going there, Sure. what's happening, what can we do, what can we do. Anyone that, that knows me knows that I'm a big believer in the can and can'ts conversation. And there's that black and white sort of system. This is what you can get. This is what you can't get. And then 
have that really nice and clear before you go to the store. Then, of course, a child's brain's been designed to, to force change. They're going to say, so can I get those things that you said I can't get? Hmm. <laughs> They're supposed to. They're persistent, <laughs> yes. But you just come back to, yes, I understand. There's that acknowledging piece. I understand you want that. But remember, already talked about it, can't have these things not right now. Not this year. Yeah. That's all you need to say, too. Yeah, you don't need to say, points. well, you know, financially, it's not a, it's not a no, appropriate. None of that stuff. They There's don't six. need to know. You just no. say not this year yeah maybe next time mm-hmm. and and really keep it neutral a lot of parents you'll you'll see there's that high anxiety there's high energy there's oh my goodness of course we all want to give our kids everything of course we do that's that's beautiful that that shows that you're a good caring parent but it doesn't mean you have to right and it's there's more and more research out there showing and proving that connection and you being engaged with your child is actually going to give more benefit to that child than any toy or item out there in the stores. Yeah, uh, final question to you because we're fresh out of time and Andrew's uh, actually jumping up and down. Uh, final question to you, it's about time. Mm-hmm. And, and and you keep coming back to this and you've, you've mentioned it umpteen times in the last hour. We are short on time. Time is a real precious commodity mm-hmm. and it's even more precious to our children. So any amount of time that we can arrange for our children we're doing them an enormous favor yes. uh, and it, it, it makes you, you got to do a little dancing you got to get logistically smart yeah. but time is the most precious gift you can give yeah absolutely and and one more thing just about time if people are worried oh i don't get to see my kid i come home late they turn around they go to bed and right. blah, blah, blah. it's not the quantity we all know this it's the quality not the quantity but i'm going to take that one step further the quality of time it's when you're engaged with your child even if it's for one minute, if you are fully engaged, not distracted at all, that's going to make a massive impact Absolutely. for the good. People listening to this uh, want to get in touch with you. I guess the website would be the most, uh, the quickest route because yes, all absolutely. your contact stuff is right there at misbehavior, all one word, misbehavior.ca. Julie Romanowski, uh, a, a real treat to finally meet you. We've, yes. we've talked on the phone before on the radio, but this is a first face-to-face, and thanks so much for giving Thank up so a bit much. of your Saturday afternoon. An excellent conversation. Thank and you. thanks for your calls as well. And once again, our thanks to misbehavior, Julie Romanowski, for a very fun, informative visit. Thanks for your calls. Good ones, too. Next Next hour, John Carlson returns with a fresh Vancouver Market real estate update. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news, and this is an update on a story we've been reporting for months. Health Canada says there will be a very limited supply of EpiPens at pharmacies during the month of August, and this means that while some pharmacies may currently have some inventory on hand, they'll likely run out in the coming days or weeks. Pfizer Canada, the manufacturer, doesn't expect to be able to provide new supply until the end of of this month. The company has also advised that at this time they continue to be able to supply the EpiPen Junior. However, even that supply is limited and being carefully managed. So the shortage will include both the EpiPen and EpiPen Junior. There are no alternative auto injectors available on the market now in Canada. Health Canada is also reminding us that EpiPen products expire on the last day of the month indicated on the package. But in light of the shortage, Health Canada says that if you're experiencing an anaphylactic reaction and uh, you should use uh, an expired EpiPen if it's the only one available to you, use that product and then immediately call 911. 
anaphylactic. You try it four times. Yes, you can buy an EpiPen on Kijiji or Craigslist, but the feds say they're not looking for black market solutions, which, though technically legal, may pose too high a risk for buyers. And a very timely announcement from the Parks Board, beaches are all open. The ones that were closed for E. coli issues, they're all back open except for Trout Lake. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.